we should just get it started, get it rocking and rolling. What's going on, everybody out there? Simba Ali, we are back with another episode of the North Star Podcast. Um, before we get started in the show, I want to remind everybody to click the link to come into the Savoir Fair merchandise. Um, I got new shirts going up almost daily. Sorry about that. I had to clear the throat. I know you guys, people say that when they listen. We hate to hear you clearing your throat, motherfucker. Hey, it's not easy. It's not easy being greasy. What's going on to everybody out there um, that's been supporting the North Star Podcast, purchasing the Savoir Fair? Like I said, click the link. I'm making new shit like daily, just coming up with ideas. Pretty soon the whole fucking website is going to be f- flooded with things. So um, go in there, get your Savoir Fair. Uh, make sure you download the new episodes of the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, <clears throat> on Anchor also. See, I'm learning how to clear my throat without doing it in your ears. You guys will appreciate that when you listen. But uh, anyway, yeah, we are here. You're Simba Ali. Um, here. Been gone for a while. Had a serious family situation. Had to deal with. Um, so we're going to talk about it today. You guys know this is my therapy. I don't, I don't have. I think I'm smarter than all the therapists. Me sitting down with a therapist, I'm going to just start thinking that I can do therapy as well. <laughs> That's all that's going to happen. You sit me down with a therapist and you guys won't get your number one podcaster anymore. I'll be thinking that I can do therapy. But anyways, you guys know that the podcast pretty much is my therapy. This is where I go to speak and kind of get it out. Talk to the people that kind of care about my content, which in turn means that you care about me. So I care about you. So you're here. Um, Special shout out again to the truckers, to the Lyft drivers. To everybody that's out there moving shit around America, if you're in a vehicle and somebody is dependent on you in that vehicle, like you're not just driving from your grandma's to your aunt's house to get some gravy with rice and some beans, you know what I'm saying? Like people are dependent on you. People are dependent on you. I'm sorry, clearing the throat again. You guys know what I do before the show and that kind of gets a fog in your throat. When, you, when you're smoking that good shit and it gets a fog and you, you just got to, you know, <clears throat> get some water and get, we're settling in here. But anyways, everybody out there, like I said, the truckers, the Lyft drivers, the people that get this good old country of America moving in the vehicles. And it, and it goes for everybody, the parents driving the kids to work and or to school. Sorry. If you're driving your kid to work, he needs to get the fuck out of your house. I'm just going to keep. <laughs> you should not be driving your kid to work. Okay. That nigga should be on the bus. Or he should have a some kind of girlfriend that can pick him up. Something. Mom should not be driving your your child to work, but you might be driving into school. Anybody out there in a the vehicle listening to the North Star podcast, TNSP, <clears throat> you know how we rock. I had to give you that one in your ear. We are here, Simbali, and I got to share my experiences. You know how we got to get caught up on what's been going on before we get into the good stuff. We got a lot of good stuff that we want to get into. Things been happening. LeBron James got LeBron James's son. Got a white bitch out here and got the whole black section of America upset. You know what I mean? So there's some things to um <clears throat> to address. We're going to talk about it. But before we do, like I said, I'm just going to update you on what I've been going through. If you listen to the last episode, now <clears throat> and I'm talking about the, the Curse of Malcolm X. I had to take that one down. If you were lucky enough to listen to the Curse of Malcolm X, God bless you. Okay, really. <clears throat> God bless you. But it was a lot of spicy. It was spicy. I was saying a lot of things, so I just took it down. 
And that'll happen from time to time. Sometimes I'll have a, a podcast episode where I'm just like, all right, I went a little bit too far. It was chalked with good food. So the people that listen to it are probably, um, are probably a little bit um, upset that I took it down because it's, it's, it had so much good information in it. But I, I am a habitual line stepper, and I crossed a couple lines just in my passion. So I had to take it down. Um, I might do another Curse of Malcolm X in a more calm environment, but, you know, I get a little bit rowdy. Stir up the good niggers when you get me talking about Malcolm X. But anyways, um, the episode before that, where I was explaining that my son was having problems in school, he was venturing into teenagehood, and after multiple attempts of trying to take his electronics, trying to ground him, trying to do different things, it just wasn't sinking in. So I reverted to what I know, the, you know, I don't like to whoop. I didn't like to be whooped. I don't like to whoop, but I always kind of held it as a card. You know what I'm saying? I always like held it as a card. Like, hey man, it's like a nuclear button. Nobody wants to push the red button, but you got your finger. You got, you got a red button just in case you have to hit it to let motherfuckers know, hold up, stay away from my gates. So <clears throat> I, 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 I would, I, I made it clear to myself, like, man, I'm not going to be beating my son. Um, I got a lot of whoopings coming up, mainly because I was raised by a single parent mother um, in a time when she was fearful of me going into the streets and venturing into dangerous situations while she was at school and at work. Right. My mom was my mom was worked at a job and she went to school. So she had to have some kind of aura of fear because I didn't have a father that was in the house. So she had to have an aura of fear in the household. And we'll talk about all of this as we break it down further. But anyways, if you listen to the last episode, um, if you listen to the last episode, you, you heard that uh, my son had been kind of teetering, venturing into that teenagehood, doing bad, and that I had to uh, spank him, discipline him. I was first spanking. So, and when it happened, it wasn't as big a deal as what it ended up turning out to be. So after I disciplined, spanked my son, um, <clears throat> he went to school and informed the teacher. He, I guess he was having a bad day. Now, after talking to my son, this is what's so beautiful is we have the kind of relationship where we can actually talk. And that was on pause for a minute. But I'm glad we built it back up. But now knowing that he did want to express that he did not he didn't like that he got whooped. Right now, he didn't express that to me. Naturally, after I spanked him, um, I went in his room, talked with him. Son, you know, dad don't want to whoop you. You know, that's not our relationship. I don't like to do that, but I kind of feel like you're you're kind of testing your mother. You're testing us. And so, you know, let's not do this. But um, <clears throat> so that was that. But anyway, so the next day he goes to school, um, informs the teacher that he had been spanked. So the teacher like takes you know, they do what teachers do. They have to follow up on the report. So the teachers do what the teachers do. Um, anyway, that leads to a CPS officer. You guys hear that? A CPS officer being issued to come out to visit my home. Um, so now our family is in a real situation. This is something serious. Um, and not to mention, I'm dealing with another life issue with my mother, um, which is more of a celebratory thing. You know, it was a little bit stressful, but then it turned into a celebratory thing. But right when I get this good news from my mother, I get this bad news that my son has went to school and informed a teacher that his father spanked him. The teacher 
wants is believing that it's wondering if it's abuse. You know, that's how teachers do. Are you being abused and all this other kind of stuff? So they sent a CPS worker to the house. Now, me and my wife and my family, we get shaken by this, right? When my wife calls me, I'm out doing what I'm doing, working. She informs me that, you know, the CPS officers come to the house. She's very, very distraught. Um, and her distraughtness um, really kind of bothered me because to me, it was signifying a couple of things. It was signifying that she almost felt like that it was my fault for spanking him. And also that she didn't believe that I had the power or the abilities to get our family out of this situation. So how distraught she was kind of put me in a bad energy mode from jump, right? So then I finish my day. We get home. Um, <clears throat> I see my son. I talk to him. I'm like, is this true? Find out what happened. It's true. Yes, this is what's going on. So immediately once I confirm that it's true, <clears throat> I get upset at my son. And not even upset, just our relationship instantly changed from my perspective. I felt like that old black culture street shit, how could you do that to your dad? Betrayal. That's the word that I felt. I felt betrayal. I felt my son betrayed me. And so I came in um, a little bit hot. I blamed my wife. You know, that's something that I shouldn't have did. I came in and I was like, you know, it's your, you know, you kind of gave me the look to whoop him. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going into all of these, these emotions because I'm defensive, right? I have made a mistake, I have done something, and I've put my family at jeopardy with this move that I've done. Um, so now I'm kind of upset at my wife, and I'm kind of saying, you know, I'm, and she takes that even more offensively. How are you going to try to, first thing you come in, we don't talk about what's going on, you immediately put the blame on me, saying that I kind of encouraged you to spank them. And she was saying, you know, we did come up with this as a family unit. We had both decided that Simpson was getting to the um, to that line where he was testing. And it's like we need to do something to kind of but neither one of us like to be we don't like the whooping idea. Right. But we come up from that generation. We come up from that generation where spankings are understood if they're done in the right manner with love. They're not abuse. If you do it in the right manner, in the right way where the child understands it, the parents understand it then it can be understood. So now, like I said, now I'm mad. Um, me and her, our vibe is off. We're off there. Um, the more frantic that she gets, the more fearful she gets, the more afraid she gets, the more it signifies to me her lack of confidence that I'm going to get us out of this situation. So I'm dealing with that anger with her. And then I'm dealing with my son, who I feel like betrayed me. So I have all of these emotions going up. And to be honest with you, I didn't handle any of them the correct way. You know, it, it, this was a serious situation. So like I said, this was a learning experience for us. You know, sometimes when you break a bone, the bone comes back stronger. And I feel like that's what happened for our family unit. You don't know what you're, how you're going to react to certain situations until life tests you with the real one. And some people pass the first one. Sometimes you need that as a learning experience. And now you become a stronger unit, which I believe my family has done. And so anyways, um, naturally, you know, of course, this, the, C, uh, the CPS officer comes out. We, we talk, you know, um, I have nothing to hide. So I was very confident in talking with the CPS officer. But um, immediately while I was going through it, I got very, very angry. Um, and this is before actually talking to the CPS officer. This is 
during the days because he it was about maybe two days. I think two days before the CPS officer came and visited. So we had a couple days in there to kind of just be with the family. And during those two days, I experienced some very, very selfish and angry feelings about the situation. And I started to jump back on my blackness. I, I even I even text my cousin. Um, I was like, yeah, my son is white and my wife is white and I'm black. And this is just our cultural differences. I thought that we could escape it. I can't escape it. It's just different. She's white. He's white. And I'm black. And it ain't this shit. Just, I was I was pissed. I was pissed off. And naturally, like I said, I'm a human being. You know, I'm, I'm good at certain things, but I am human. You know, if you cut me, I bleed. I can't fly. I can't breathe underwater. So this is just me being upset, um, hurt, feeling betrayed. And all of these emotions are bubbling up, bubbling up in me. <clears throat> so um, my way of lashing out is drawing back to my blackness, right? And everything was, everything that I said would have sounded good. But I have this uncanny and this horrible ability of playing therapist with myself. I'll sit myself down and I'll express how, how Simba feels, right? This is how Simba feels me. This is how I feel. And then I'm able to sit across from myself totally neutral and break down what it is that I'm feeling. So my first initial feelings when, my hurt, when I heard that my son had betrayed me, when I heard that this could possibly tear our family apart, you know, if, you know, now um, it, the realization of the fact that Cinco could be took from me. My son could be took. And if that happens, that's going to change the dynamics between me and my wife, no matter how, what's going on. You lost my son. Do, do, so this is where it's all starting to, it's starting to turn into a whirlwind of, oh my God, the responsibility, the magnanimity of the situation, the severity of the situation. So naturally I go, I get mad. I'm, I'm first, I'm going to get mad. Oh, my fucking white, my, my white wife and my white fucking half-breed son who ain't got no blackness in him. And it's all against the black man. Black man can't do nothing in this motherfucker. I'm trying to do the best I can as a black man. And I'm trying to raise this kid and the black man and the black man and black. And my family ain't black. What the fuck? If I had a black family, I'd be better off. My son wouldn't have snitched if I had a black family. If I had a black wife, she would have jumped on my side. If I was black, fuck. I was mad than a motherfucker, you guys. And black shit kept coming out of my mouth. Until I was able to calm down. And this mainly happened after the meeting with the CPS officer. Um, after, well, prior. A little bit before the meeting with the CPS officer, I was able to sit down with the family and we kind of talked and kind of cooled, cooled each other's vibrations down to the best that we could. We were still, there was emotions in her, there was emotions in him, there was emotions in me. This was big for our family. But to the best of my abilities as the head of the household, the, the father, I was able to calm the situation down, get everybody to realize that, you know, let's just get through this as a family unit. Um... And even then, I was still upset. I, I, I was very upset, very still upset at my wife, very still upset at my son. I had to take my son to practice. So right when I found out the news of all this, we had practice that day, basketball practice. And I was so mad at him and so disappointed in him and so hurt and so angry at him that I left him here for, for the practice and took the truck and left. And it was only that... Like I said, my ability to kind of talk to myself, I said, what are you doing? You can't do that. 
So I turned around, I got him. But even in the vehicle, when we were going to practice, I didn't speak one word to him. I didn't look at him. I can't look at you. While we're practicing, you know, I can't even look at you. I don't want to high five you. I don't want to do anything with you. It's like being with a, a person you don't like. You guys know that feeling when you're around somebody that you really want to fight, but you know this, you can't fight. Anyways, I wanted to fight my fucking son, okay? <laughs> I wanted to fucking fight my fucking son, okay? I was mad that a motherfucker at this nigga's hurt more than anything. I'm hurt. How could you do that to your dad? And you know I'm a good dad. You know I ain't no fucking, I don't want to abuse you, nigga. I don't even like to whip you. I don't even like to yell at you. So anyways, so I go back and get my son. We go to practice. So this is our dynamic that I'm dealing with with him. I'm upset with him. I don't want to look at him. He can feel it. Um, my wife can feel it. But um, so this, and that's bothering me having to have that relationship with somebody you care so deeply about that you're meant to protect and you're meant to, you know, the love for a son is different. So to have that feeling for your son is not a good feeling. It was not a good feeling at all. I didn't, uh, I didn't know how to handle it. So you got to understand I'm bottling up with all these emotions. So, um, what, 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 what was it? What was I getting to? Okay. Me and, me and Cinco, we was having rough times practice. We did practice a couple times. So yeah, me and his relationship was not great. And honestly, I didn't think it would be fixed. I had already came to the realization that me and his relationship would be scarred and broke forever. I would never have the same relationship that I had with my son prior. I had already came to that realization. So we, we do this. The CPS worker comes out. Um, we talk, you know, things go good. We get to show, like I said, nothing to hide. Um, talk to, you know, um, inform them about what happened to the best of our abilities. Kept things short, sweet. Um, so things are looking good. Things are looking great. But after that, that's when we can kind of exhale. When the CPS worker left and, you know, we all were able to hug and kind of talk and cry in each other's arms. Then I was able to kind of go in the room with myself, but I still had those feelings. So even through all this process, I never really had time to check myself. I was just feeling emotions all the way through. Even when the CPS worker left, I was still mad at my wife and I was still mad at my son. So now I'm dealing with these emotions and I'm thinking crazy thoughts. Like I don't, I'm thinking like, man, I, I might not need to be here. You know, I'm really, I'm really, this is the first time that I was really thinking about consciously maybe breaking up this family unit that's how I felt because I was in the black shit still I was still rolling around and how this ain't gonna work black 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 right then um <clears throat> I got to come into my office and I got to sit down and thankfully a fam a, a friend of the family called uh, my cousin's husband he called Troy Bell. Shouts out to Troy Bell, by the way. Getting fucking Troy Bell on the show, baby. But uh, Troy, Troy called, and he kind of let me know the severity of the situation um, and kind of helped me process the situation. He let me know that he was in my corner um, while I'm going through this. Um, like I said, my cousin also called, just kind of checking up on me. And so... Like I said, I don't know that I need to talk to people until they call. Once they call and then the conversation is over, I say, oh, my God, I needed that. But I didn't know prior. So I just want to give a special shout out to Troy for um, calling me through these turbulent, you know, tough times, checking on me and also getting me um, mentally ready for the battle that was to come. Because at that point, I was not I was still I had a lot of I hadn't compartmentalized it yet. 
And Troy kind of let me know, like, hey, man, um, I, you need to not drop this ball. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I, I know you can't. And I know you ain't. He gave me the confidence, too. He was like, I know you ain't going to drop the ball. You's a, you's a bad motherfucker. But make sure you do what you got to do as far as making sure your family stays together um, for, this, for this meeting. So I did. And me and Troy talked. We had a great conversation. Um, like I said, it helped me a lot. We talked from like 11 o'clock to 2 o'clock in the morning on a work day. You know what I'm saying? Like we was just chopping it up. So, um, but, at, but what that did was it, it, you know, it made me awoke. It, it awoken me to a lot of things. One, that I need to be there for people. We'll talk about that later. But two, it made me kind of process this and start breaking this down, the things that I was saying, the emotions that I was feeling. I felt betrayed by, by my son. I felt um, betrayed by my wife. And all the time that I'm dealing with all of these emotions, I'm hiding behind the blackness. And I'm not taking responsibility for the, what I did. That's what I, I kept hiding. I never took responsibility for the act that I did. My son shouldn't tell because he needs to be black. My wife needs to do this because she's white. Well, once I got into my own therapist room, like I said, I'm able to get into my own room. I was able to talk with myself and I said, Simba, but you consciously did that though. This isn't an accident that you're, that you, you didn't, your wife didn't turn white today, right? You, your son didn't turn um, biracial today. You didn't, this is something that you have been aware of. This is something that you consciously almost wanted you, this is something that you wanted for your family you wanted to have a family that was not tied to what is today called black culture but is not black culture black culture does not exist and you did not want a family based and rooted in uh, in culturallessness is that a word <laughs> culturalist culturallessness you you wanted some kind of culture Black culture doesn't exist, okay? So for me to keep falling back on black shit, my son needs to accept whoopings. Let's talk about whoopings for one second. Where do whoopings come from? Well, whoopings in America, in our culture, come from us repeating the behaviors of our slave masters. When the slave would leave the plantation, he would get whipped with a whoop, with a whip. That's, he would get punished by with physical shit he would get hit and beat and we pass that trauma down to our children that's why we beat our children because we're living behind enemy lines the stress of being third class citizens and being starting from third class citizenship and also working a job every day you don't necessarily have the energy to mentally do what you need to do to teach your child lessons. Well, Cinco, my son, wasn't brought up in black culture. Purposely. I purposely did not bring him up in black culture because black culture doesn't exist. So I want to be very clear about that. People are saying, why didn't you bring your son up in black culture? Because black culture doesn't exist. Me being born in the 80s, I am the last generation that got the smell of black culture. I didn't even grow up in black culture. But I got the smell. Black culture has regressed so many times. And you can only clone something so many times before you lose its originality. Right? 
Black can only go to dark black, brown, and then eventually once you get to white, you have lost everything that makes black black. Do you guys understand that? So black culture in America is what black people were doing once we got free from slavery. You can't count once what we did when we were in bondage. Once we got free, that's what I would look to as black as black culture. And it's almost today where you can't even talk about black culture unless you're unless you're talking about hip hop, unless you're talking about trauma coming from slavery, unless you're talking about black lives matter, unless you're talking about criminality. We don't know black culture other than those templates, criminality. Um what did I say? Criminality. We got black lives matter. We got trauma from slavery and we got our hate for white people. That's it. That's, that's what it means to be black. Oh, and soul food, soul food, which is the worst kind of food on the planet ever. It's not good for you at all. It causes diabetes and high blood pressure and heart congestion and all kinds of shit. But this is what we think that our ancestors ate. They didn't. They ate that when they were slaves. Once they got free, they ate good stuff like okra. Do you know how many vitamins are in okra? We didn't, we, we didn't eat chitlins, but that's what, you see what I'm saying? Chitlins, come on, man. Well, how did that dish make it? But anyways, so when you're talking about black culture, somebody will say, well, Simba, what is black culture? Black culture is this. By 19, I'm sorry, by 1888, at least 200 black towns and communities had been established nationwide. Some were molded on black towns that had been formed after the American Revolution and during the antebellum era. From the 1700s to 1860s, the black town idea reached its peak in the 50 years after the Civil War. 50 years. 200. So you keep hearing black people say, and that goes back to black culture being entertainment and television. You see what I'm saying? When you talk black culture and you say, give me a black town, they'll say, Black Wall Street. But there's a hundred, it says here, there's 199 more, 199 more thriving black communities all across America where we were doing good. We were eating good. We were living good. We were thriving. We were building. We were moving towards a goal. There was love. We cared for each other. We didn't hurt each other. That's a black community. Now, from that, you get the 1900s. It's cloned a little bit. You get the 1920s cloned a little bit, the 1930s, even more, 40s, 50s, 60s. By the time you get to my generation, you do not have a black community. You have remnants and a smell. I could smell a little bit of that uh, Marvin Gaye, Afro Sheen, Afro with the bell bottoms. I smelled a little bit of it. Black people weren't killing each other. It wasn't. It was a little bit of black community still. Even when I was born, there was not a black community. I was just smelling the remnants. You know, like when a a universe gets born in outer space, you can see the heat. You can see the heat and say, this is the heat from the original burst from the star. It's not there anymore, but you can see the heat. That's what the 80s babies represent. The last of the heat after us, it was totally gone. Black community. If you were born after 1980, you have no idea of what it means to be a black community. We only know in the 80s what it means because of our parents. If you had those star parents like my mother and other parents who made sure you knew your history and put you on some kind of quest to learn and know about your history, then through, like I said, that smell, that remnant of what was the black community and then your thirst and your quest for the knowledge of your community, you will have somebody like Simba Ali. And I talk and people be like, well, how do you talk and how do you know this about the black? But you... 
you really didn't because I'm the last. I'm the last of it. Anybody that comes after me, they only know black trauma, hate the police, black lives matter, um, hip hop and criminality. That's all they know. They, they don't know anything about the true culture, what it means to be black. Right. Follow me, guys, because this is, we're going down a path. So when you're talking about my son and I'm saying. And when he gets spanked, he doesn't like it. He doesn't understand it because he doesn't come from that culture. He doesn't come from that new culture that was passed down and passed down and passed down of trauma, of being beat, of being hit, of being scared, of the low vibrations. My son doesn't understand the low vibrations because I am bringing him up in a high vibration. So, so follow me. So when I lose and when I um, fail, that's what it is. When I fail to exercise my ability to mentally teach my son a lesson, he loses respect for his father. And all, all kids do this. You cannot hit your child as a way of teaching him any lesson. You're not teaching him a lesson if you hit him. One, let's walk why one it's not healthy because the lesson of hitting comes from why we beat our kids in america is because of what the slave master did so the lesson comes from badness the lesson of spanking your kid and hitting your kid comes from a bad place right but then let's keep breaking it down my son can't hit me back he can't physically hit me back so now you're teaching almost a bully thing father you're, you're bigger than me you're stronger than me why would you hit me if your job is to protect me? Do you see what I'm saying? I don't come up. My friends aren't like you, dad. When you got your butt whooped by grandma, you would go hang with your friends and y'all all got y'all ass beat. So that trauma was shared culturally and in your community, right? But dad, I didn't grow up in that community. So when I talk to my friends and I tell them that I got spanked, they're like, what? Huh? What? He can't fucking do that. He can't fucking hit you. You see what I'm saying? The culture is different. And the same way that black people have no idea of the beautiful, the beautiful antiquities, inequities, the beautiful things that have to go do with their community while we were building in the early 1800s, 1700s, in the early 1900s, the beautiful parts about our community, we don't know about that. The same way that black people don't know anything about being a Jew. A lot of black people in America have the bloodline of Jewish people, but you don't come from Jewish communities. So you don't know anything about the Kabbalah. You don't know anything about uh, Hebrewism. <clears throat> you don't know anything about the Jewish culture. Yarmulkes. You don't know anything about a synagogue. You don't know anything about what it means to be Jewish because even though that is what your true bloodline is, your communities don't teach and practice it. Do you guys get it? So somebody will say, Simba, why didn't you bring your kid up in, in a black community? Because they do not exist. Trying to bring your kid up, trying to do anything in a black community, you're setting yourself up for failure because it doesn't exist. There is no such thing as a black community. There's only remnants and the clone version of what's black community. That's why they're doing so bad. That's why they're vibrating so low. They eat the lowest vibration foods. They listen to the lowest vibration music. They're murdering and killing each other. They're not buying businesses. 
So that's not a black community. That's just a neighborhood where people collectively live. So you can't say symbol. Why don't you raise your kid there? Why? I don't want him to be versed in hip hop. I don't want him to be versed in black lives matter. I don't want him to be versed in the trauma that comes from slavery. A small part of our time here. Black people have been in this landmass for a long time, but definitely since around 1492. Why do we keep talking about that hundred year period from 1700, 1800 or 1800 to 1900? If we've been here since 1492, we need to be talking about what we were doing our whole time here. That's the black community, but that doesn't exist now. All you have in black communities is gangs. The girl in the Bronx, innocent 14-year-old girl gets killed in the Bronx. Was she 14 or 11? Gets killed in the Bronx. That's black culture, drill music, savagery, drugs, criminality, hip-hop. That's black culture, hip-hop, sports. It's... The beautiful part about what I love about black communities, which is safety. You can be in the black community and being safe from everybody else. Building, agriculture, mathematics, science, technology, connectivity, community, village, the village feeling. That's gone. So now you have black families. You can go. So somebody would look at me and say, Simba, you're raising a white family. You got a white wife and a white kid. Yes. But the. Black family right next door to me is raising a white family too. Yes. The house next door across the street got a black father, a black wife, two black daughters, and two black sons. They are raising a white family because they're in a white community. They're not in a community surrounded by black people. When that kid plays, he plays with other black people. When that mom talks, other black people passing black ideas, businesses, money. This isn't a community. We're in a white community. So you, you got to be honest. And that's what that's that's the only community that's left. You have Asian communities in America. They're thriving. They kept their culture. They kept their language. They kept their heritage. You have Native American communities and reservations, culture, language, heritage. You got Mexican communities in America, culture, language, heritage. You have white communities in America, cultural, language, heritage. Now, <clears throat> me, I don't have too much familiarity with the other cultures. I don't know Mexican. I don't know Spanish. I don't know Asian. I don't know the other shits. Native American, I don't know their shit. But white culture is basically kin in America as black culture. You think black people and white people are so different? Go see a down south motherfucker. Go down south and see a black motherfucker and a white motherfucker and you'll see two people with the same fucking philosophy. One's black, one's white. So for me, when I'm looking like what kind of culture do I, I can't pass my kid Asian culture. I can't pass some Spanish culture. I got to pass some, my white brethren culture, go out, chop woods, fight, shoot tanks, build a house, you know, start a business. That's still white American culture. And it's at play still in their communities. You come to a white community. It's safe, right? You come to, that doesn't mean a hundred percent. Nothing happened. Okay. Please leave the chat room right now if you're going to talk like that. But you know what I'm saying. You come to a white community, you feel the sense of, oh, I'm in a white community. There's kids playing outside. There, there's happiness. You feel it's just happy. So if you can't show me a black community and multiple black communities that are reflecting like these white communities, then I'm just going to pick the one that's my cousin, my white American cousins. They got it down. I'd rather pass that culture to my son than pass a culture to my son. People, why wouldn't you pass some black culture? 
If you telling me that I have a choice to pass my son doing well in school, learning how to chop wood, being not afraid to go out and jump in a lake and play in the lake, learning about um, the importance of manhood, learning the importance of family stability, learning the importance of land, um, business and financing. If you're talking about that's white culture. So that's what's important in white culture. Or I want my son to learn how to hip hop and gang bang and do gang handshakes and criminality and blame white people for every mistake that he makes. So that's what when when I was building my family, I was very conscious of that. So now that I whoop my son or now that I spank my son and my son goes to school and informs a teacher, I can't now jump back into the black shit is what I'm saying. That's what I tried to do. I tried to jump back into the black shit. No, you can't jump back into the black shit. You're vibrating higher than black shit. And your son is vibrating higher than black shit. And when your son went to school and informed the teachers that he had been whooped, that's his way of letting you know, father, I didn't like that. And you know what? I don't respect that. I don't respect that out of a father who vibrates so high with intelligence. There's better ways than you hitting me. Because again, I can't hit you back. And again, if you have to hit, let me get some water. We're in mode now, baby. We're we're going now. How's everybody out there doing? Trust me. We're going to get to the good stuff. We're going to get to the LeBron James's white girl. We're going to get to the fucking Buffalo shooting. We're going to get to good stuff. Just got to update you. Let you guys know what's going on. So anyway, yeah. So Cinco, my son is like, dad, nah, I'm not going for that, man. You have no right to hit me and if you look at ancient um how the ancients raised their kids the ancient mesopotamians the ancient aztecs or olmecs the ancient egyptians the ancient greeks they didn't maybe the greeks (laughs) but the ancients the ancient people with uh, melanin they didn't beat their kids they were how why would i need to beat someone that i'm mentally uh that i'm more mentally acute than I have a higher mental capacity than my son. Why do I need to physically hit him? I'm, I'm asking. I'm, this is me talking to myself. What would you whoop him for in the first place? What, what does that do? Well, in our culture, that's how shit get done. You're gonna, you, that, that's the hurt, traumatic culture, though. That's how the slave master used to tell you to, when you run off the plantation, he would whoop your ass. There was better ways of getting a message across to a human, but he chose to whoop you. So now you're mad. And you, and you don't have the energy, right? You don't have the energy or the capacity. You come home from work and you just don't have it. So you take a shortcut and say, I'm just going to whoop him and that'll teach him the lesson. It won't. It'll teach a lesson to a kid in black culture or parents that may be masquerading their children under the veil of black culture. But to a child who is raised how you raised Cinco, it's not going to vibe with his spirit. I don't like that from you. I don't like that from anybody. And let's go back to what happens when you're whooped. Well, I got a lot of whoopings. And those whoopings also were linked with me being bullied a lot. I used to get bullied a lot, a lot, a lot. Till I, I didn't get in my first, I didn't start fighting back people till I'm, what was it? I, I think it was, might've been my freshman year at high school. I got bullied a lot. But a lot of my bullying came from because I felt like it was okay for people to hit me because I used to get beat so much. I was like my family's like punching bag. Ah, Simba messed up at school. Punch him, punch him, beat him, beat him, punch him, punch him, kick him, beat him, beat him. My brother didn't get any whoopings. 
My brother got zero whoopings, okay? My brother, he got zero whoopings, no whoopings. I got all the whoopings in the family. Nobody got whoopings. I can't think of anybody in my family that got whoopings. I got all the whoopings in the family. People just used to, I was abused, okay? I'm going to be honest with you. Let's give it up. Okay, I was fucking abused. I was abused. And because I was hit like that, when other people would hit me, I felt like it was okay. Somebody would hit me and I'd be like, oh, it's okay. You, you know, you have the right to hit me. It, it never clicked in my brain. Nobody has the right to put their hands on you. So how can I teach my son Cinco? Nobody has the right to put their hands on you except dad when he, no, nobody should hit you. There's never a reason to hit somebody unless it's in self-defense. You know, when you're pimping, when you're pimping bitches, they say a good pimp never hits his bitch. Did you, you guys hear that in the streets? A pimp who can really talk and really and about that pimping and got that pimping on him never hits his bitch. He can just verbally Bitch, you stupid bitch, and you're going to be broke all your life. And okay, I'll sell all the pussy for you. I'll do it all today. <laughs> mind. So if, my, if I can't use my mind, which is way higher than my son's at this point, his will surpass mine. But at this point, mine is, my mind is way elevated than his. And he still respects my authority. So that's never at play. And, and that's what the parent, as long as you show the kind of respect and you show the kind of um, example, your son is going to respect you. So that's not a question. It was never a question. My son not respecting me. He's just dealing with teenagehood. How are you going to get him through this? What lessons are you going to put in for in play to get him through this? The world, the universe, your son didn't ask to be here. Cinco did not ask to come to this planet. We chose to bring him here. So it's on me. I, don't, I can't take any shortcuts. I have to develop a productive human being for this planet. And there's lessons that he needs to learn that don't have anything to do with hitting him. They're not gonna, that's not going to teach him anything. You're actually going to undo what you're trying to do. And like I said, even when I, when I spanked him, when I spanked him on his butt, I felt I was like, I don't like this feeling. I don't want to have this relationship and you don't need to. So all in all, I said that I said that to say this, that originally I got mad. I said that, you know, I'm black and it, it's not right, but that's bullshit. That's bullshit. How we were raised culturally is bullshit. You should not spank your child under no circumstances. There's no reason to ever spank your child ever, ever. If your child gets to the point where they're looking you in the face and then you can make them leave, you can call the police. You can call, that's when you can call CPS. Yeah, got that. Yeah, you start looking me in my face and you start just, oh, you think you don't have to do anything? I'm calling the fucking police. Fucking right, buddy. Calling the law on you. That's what I'm going to do. But until that day, there's always going to be a more um, practical way to teach your child a lesson. Like I said, a good pimp don't hit his bitch. That's them gorilla pimps, nigga. You can't pimp. You don't know what to say. She she did one thing and you now she's lumped up. You, that's not a way. That doesn't show anything. I, that doesn't show your power. And it doesn't get your respect. And so it ultimately, my son should not have had to apologize to me. I should have apologized to my son. And I am. I'm going to go and apologize to him today. Because he didn't owe me an apology. I owed him an apology. I did I was the one that did the wrong thing. And it's not about abuse. We know, we know why I don't abuse my son, but even a spanking, you don't, I shouldn't have spanked you. Why? 
Simba shouldn't you expect, man, you, you too soft, man. You, we ain't going to raise no, listen, man, a lot of strong people have been raised without being spanked. Okay. If you look at the history of this planet, <laughs> spankings haven't always been around. Like I said, the great Mesopotamians and the Egyptians and the Olmecs, the great people who built the great civilizations on this planet. If you look at how they reared their kids, they didn't spank them. They put them through lessons. School was about this. Contrary to popular belief. In the ancient days, you went to school to learn these kind of lessons. Your professors and stuff would walk you through as you journey through manhood. But they're not around now. Now those teachers are now just teaching studies and social studies and civics and science. You know what I'm saying? So now they're relegated to teaching. But that doesn't absolve you as a parent. You have to take on that responsibility because you brought them into this planet. So, yeah, that's what happened with us. Like I said, big lesson learned. Um, I had kind of crawled all into my, oh, the black and the black man and the fuck all of that shit, man. Ain't no black culture. There's no such thing as black culture. That shit is gone. That shit is gone and dissipated and over with. It's been cloned too many times to have any of the original matter in it. So if you see what you would call a black community is not, it's just a neighborhood where black people live and rent. It's not a black community full of love. It's not a black community that is safe for black people. It's not a black community that's building schools, hospitals, airplane, uh, airports and bus stations. And it's not a black community that's teaching the next generation to be better than it was. So it can build the black communities to expand bigger and maybe in different parts of the world. That's not what black communities are doing. That's what all other communities are doing. So for me to try to masquerade when I get in a tough situation and try to jump in. And one of the crazy things is it made me think that if I'm doing this, how many other black people do this? See, I have the ability to step back and say, hey, man, don't be a hypocrite now. But a lot of black people don't have that ability. They just use the black card. See, I tried to use it. I tried to say my son's a fucking rat bastard. My son's a rat bastard snitch and my wife ain't she don't understand culturally. Who? Shut up, stupid the fuck do you mean she how can she understand a culture she ain't black what the fuck would you understand and the only way she could understand culture is if you guys lived in a black community that's the only way that she would understand black culture that's the only way your son would understand black culture by her interactions with the neighbors her interactions with the kids her hearing the stories she would then learn what black culture is you can't teach your black culture just because you're just because your skin color is black fool your household is an american household your son is an earthling he's not a nigga i'm sorry as much as you think he's not your son's not a nigga he is a he is a citizen of earth he's a first american he's a firstborn american and your son does not understand hitting him i don't understand that and a lot of kids these new children that are coming aren't going to be with the whoopings they're not going to be with that they're smarter than we are and that's where a lot of the um, frustration comes in doesn't it these little smart motherfuckers they're so smart well pick up a book dumb motherfucker because these kids are smart and they're not going for their their spirits and i'm not i'm not talking about them like the people i'm talking about that spirit you guys don't understand about who these new star children are these are special kids that are being born right now and after they're smarter, they're faster, they're everything. They're way better models than any human that has ever came before. And the spirit that is inside of them isn't with the bullshit. The spirit that is inside these new kids is not for um, that old man 
controlling way of doing shit. You just bow down. No, it's not going to bow down. You have to make me bow down to um, higher intelligence. They will submit. They will listen. But you have to come with them with real and you have to come with them with better and stronger information. If not, they'll challenge you. And if you're only, um, if you're only rebuttal or your only comeback to when you can't match their intellect is physical, you're losing. You should always be able to surpass kids with your mental. So, and that's where I fell short. Like I said, I, I, I learned a big, big lesson about what it means, what black culture means, what it means to raise children, these, the new children. Like I said, when I got my ass whooped, I got on the bus and Quincy had a knot on his eye. <laughs> Anton had a fucking shiner on his eye from his mom. His mom busted him upside the head with a fucking iron. <laughs> Boma had a swole lip. Yeah. Earn, I think his mom hit him with an ironing board or something like that. That nigga's fucking clavicle bone was shattered. We all got our ass whooped. So there was nobody to make, oh, this is a normal. This is normal. We all get our ass whooped. So there's nobody to run to. But that's not the generation that's coming up now. The new generation doesn't come up with a bunch of kids that get their ass whooped. If you're talking about coming outside of what is that pseudo black community, that fake dwindling, dying, not a real black community. Now, in that black community, because trauma is so strong, ass whoopings are still the norm. That is still one of the things, and there's a lot of things that hang around. Like I said, soul food, black people really didn't eat chitlins like that. You know what I'm saying? It was a dish that we ate to survive when there was nothing left on the table. It was not meant to be turned into a goddamn delicacy. You know what I'm saying? Like we ate okra and we had other things that we ate. But anyways, that is like the same thing that's happening with spanking your kids. It's a low vibration thing, so it still hangs in our community. Hip-hop, low vibration. That's what's in our community. And that's how that's one of the biggest flickers that it was wrong what I did. I'm like, this ain't right. Because that's what goes on in my community. And why would you want to whoop somebody? And where does this whooping come from? The slave master? So I'm basically doing to my son what the slave masters did to my ancestors. I'm passing that trauma down to my son. Now he'll whoop his son. Like, no, we gotta break this. This is the when we talk about breaking shackles, it sounds good on Instagram when you're hashtagging, but when you really gotta do it, shit gets tough. When you really have to break generational curses, it gets a little rough. So this is a curse that I have to break because, like I said, I grew up, you get your ass whooped. That stops, though. My son will never, and my son will know it's wrong. It's wrong. You should not, do not have children if you feel that you don't have a mental capacity to raise them. If you're still fucking around and you haven't researched information and you haven't got your mental ability ready because this little kid that you're going to have is going to fucking test you. Do not have kids. Okay? My son is the, is the most beautiful thing that could have came into my life. And now he's here and he's doing so well. He's doing wonderful. Like I said, this is just teenage shit that he's going through. But he's just a beautiful, beautiful kid. And so what you don't want to do is fuck this up, bringing old generational curses, old traumatic experiences, old behaviors, old learned behaviors, old bad habits, and placing them on the kid, on the shoulders of this child, not a kid. A kid is a baby goat. Fucking baby goat. My, my child's not a kid. You do not want to place all that on this child. 
I want my son to feel that he has every right to do everything that nobody, nobody should. And my dad's not here for that. How can I tell him that I'm here to protect him if I'm hitting him? Sends a mixed message like police officers, doesn't it? Right? See, when you break shit down, it starts to make a little sense. Yeah, police, you say protect and serve, but you're always shooting and busting our ass. It doesn't make sense. I don't feel protected by police officers because you always fuck. Even though you're on your car, it says to protect and serve. And you guys got this, these movies that make you seem right. When we see you in real life, you fucking hitting me. So I don't feel protected. Same thing with your kid. Yeah, your name is dad. You're, you say you're my father. But why the fuck would you hit me and cause me to scream out in pain? And then I can't hit you and hurt you. So now this is a bully dynamic. Am I getting that? Okay, it's good to hit people that can't hit you back. And what lesson am I learning here, dad? So no, I was wrong for what I, I was wrong for the feelings that I tried to manifest in, a, in my defense. I tried to manifest those feelings in my defense. Oh, I'm, my wife didn't stick up for me. She, she, you know, she, she, she actually did stick up with me. She stuck up for me, but I think I put her off a lot by jumping into defense mode I didn't own up like a man like how I'm talking right now I should have came in the door like that but it was a lot of emotions but and she's going to protect her her child but that's one of the things we had to talk about as a family unit though too that there's going to be multiple times in our life where life itself tests us and we have to be team us over here we're over here me you and him because Whatever happened out there, it probably was a mistake. More than likely was a mistake because you're not wicked. I'm not wicked. Our family's not wicked. So any mistake that we make, we're going to stand on the side of each other until that mistake is corrected. We're not going to go splitting up, running and panicking. And also to women out there and everybody out there listening, make sure that when situations get tough, women and men both, make sure you exude confidence into your partner. That's key. Let your partner know that you have the, f the faith that they'll work it out, that you two will work it out together. Don't waver because that energy can be taken very, very in the wrong way. And that's what happened with our situation. Because when something serious happens, the more together you guys are, the more confident you're going to be that you're going to overcome whatever it is. Once the break happens, you feel one way, she feels one way. You guys sense that split. You guys are humans. You feel that we're not on the same boat. And now we're insecure about our odds of overcoming this obstacle. When we were holding hands, we felt like we can run through a brick wall. Now that our hands are not held, I feel like a brick wall comes up. I could not make it through it. So that's just a lesson. That's just a, a lesson that. Like I said, I had learned, we learned as a family, and I believe we're going to be stronger for it. But um, just to everybody out there, the main lesson of today on the North Star Podcast is uh, don't spank your children. There's no reason. And understand why you're doing it. That's the main thing. Why am I spanking? Because he needs to learn. Well, what lesson will not to do it again? I doubt it. I doubt it. I guarantee you he's going to do this again. Maybe not this year. Maybe not next year. But he's going to do this again. And that's because it's this is a lesson in life. And the only way to affect somebody to stop doing something is you have to change their heart and their mind. That's the key. You can't change their physical anatomy. You hit them. That doesn't do anything. You have to get into their mind and their heart. 
And you have to see that little flicker in the eye. Oh, I get it. Once you see that, it's over. So, yeah. That's 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 what <laughs> that's what happened with me, guys. That's the- <laughs> Fucking almost fucked up and lost my fucking baby boy, man. Lost almost fucking lost Cinco. Fucking around out here, man. Almost lost my baby boy, man. And then I tried to blame it on some black shit and got mad. And niggas, shut up. That's what I said. If you guys could see my therapy sessions, you would laugh. Because I'd be sitting in one couch and then I, I put the Haitian bandana on. Shut up, nigga. You purposely brought this. You made a fan. You didn't want him to be around no nigga shit. You said it every day. I don't want my son to be a nigga. Now, all of a sudden, when you whoop him, you want him to be a nigga? Why? Because it's more convenient for you. You clearly said you don't want him to be no fucking nigga. You want him to be a free American to do whatever he want, not bound by any shackles of white or black people. So why are you going to try to jump into the nigga box now? Stop it. That's coward shit, nigga. You fucked up. You know? You know what you You fucked up. And why did you fuck up? Because you know... That how you felt being spanked. You didn't like it. Any of them. You didn't like the feeling. And you know what it did to you growing up. Further. So why pass that on? Oh, I think he needed it now. No, he didn't need it now. He didn't need it now. He needed a new lesson now is what he needed. He might have needed to go rake that fucking yard. Might have needed to do that. He might have needed to go shovel. He might have to do that. He might have needed to go put some sand down for, for mom. Hey, go put some fucking dirt all around the house and make our yard look good like the Asians who live across from us. Fucking Asians who live across from us are killing us right now, man, in the yard. We got yard battles, okay? The Asians across, they're fucking putting all kind of pretty shit up. They got statues and it just looks pretty. So make them go out and do that. There's so many things that can make him feel like fuck rather than a quick hit, right? Rather than a spank, right? So parents out there, make sure that you're putting your own mental capacity, testing it to the limit. Get some fucking ideas. You don't have to throw it right then. Make them. okay. you go sit in your room. I'm going to think of something to do for you. That's going to teach you the lesson. What's the lesson I need you to learn? I need you to learn not to trust everybody. Okay, I'm going to take you with dad. And we're going to go down Hooker's Row, okay? <laughs> there's lessons. You have to, you know what I'm saying? There's so many ways that you can, come on, son, we're going to go down Hooker's Row. Me and you hop in the car, and we're going to, I'm going to teach you about hookers. And you can't trust, there's ways, okay? I'm just joking, but there's ways. There's lessons you don't have to do. You know what I'm saying? There's so many ways in this beautiful world, lessons to be learned. Figure out one. Come up with one with your spouse. Come up with one with family members. Bounce this shit off other people. Do everything that you can do, but do not, and I repeat, do not spank, hit, physically discipline your child. One, it doesn't do anything. Two, it comes from a place of trauma and hurt and a bad practice. It comes from slavery. That's why you physically hit your children. That comes from slavery. That's an American practice that is spread like a fucking plague wherever it goes. Oh, in America, they slap their kids beside head. I'm going to do that to mine, too, if you don't listen. That's not the way to do it. It's not the way to do it. And, of course, if you love your mom, you'll, you'll get over it. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I got some ass whoopings. You love your parents, you get over it. But there's some parts of you that never do get over it. I believe the conscious parts of you, of you get over it. You consciously say, oh, man, my mom loves me. You consciously say, oh, you know, I deserved it. 
You consciously do that. It's the subconscious scars that you don't see. And those are the ones that really resurface in meaningful relationships when you grow. When you get older, it's them subconscious shits that come to surface. So beware of that, everybody. Uh, so that's what's going on with me. Like I said, fucking not to mention that, you know, it's just it's just a fucking roller coaster, a roller coaster of things going on. My my mother got um, well, she had been diagnosed with uh, cancer. And I was dealing with that and just trying to, you know, just stay positive through that whole thing and not not just really let the the possibility of that even entering my fucking brain. You know what I mean? But still dealing with it. Um, but then she got the great news that, you know, she went for the the surgery. They found the cancer in her breast. They got, they got the cancer in her breast. They were able to get it all out of there and she's cancer free. So let me, can I get a, let me get the applause for mom. My mama, my mama, strong lady, strong woman. Yeah. Stand up, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Not me. It's for you, Mom. It's for you. Thank you. How many, how many people out there still fucking can't make it without their mom? Fucking grown as hell and still can't make it without fucking mom, man. We fucking need mama. So, yeah, my mom, she beat it, you know. And she's back out here in these streets. <laughs> Mom's back out here in these streets. So, like I said, it's an it's just an it's been an emotional roller coaster. I couldn't really celebrate right when I got the news um, that you know she was cancer free. I got the news that the CPS is going to come possibly take my son. So it was just it was just very very. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of glad all of that shit is over. To be honest with you, I'm just glad that you know my mom was able to you know, beat that battle of cancer. Um, and I'm glad that my son and my family was able to, um, basically just show what we are, which is a loving family unit, um, who just kind of made a mistake that we're going to learn from. So in all in all, like I said, it has been a very trying, um, week and weekend. My boys did, uh, get the medal though. Can we get the shout out for the friendly heat? Yeah, my boys team, the the team that I'm coaching, like I said, if you if you know from the last episode, we fucking got our ass kicked 0 and 4, actually 1 and 4. But then we came back and went 3 and 1, got the medal. Not the chip. We didn't get the chip. We didn't get the fucking gold ring. That's what I wanted. I wanted the fucking gold trophy. But we got number 2 runner up. So, we we making progress. We making a little bit of progress. I can't wait till next tournament um yeah everything is just so that's what's been going on for me episode how long is this we've been talking about this fucking shit is this an hour i've been talking about this shit for an hour let's get into some fun shit guys all right let's have a little bit of fun before we get off this fucking podcast what is going on in the goddamn world today why are people fucking with with, with young lebron that's my question young lebron can't have a white bitch like why can't lebron have a white little bitch man little pretty little blonde little girl too y'all just fucking hating man let him and Robert Griffith III fuck alone. <laughs> Shit. Fucking, fucking with Robert Griffith III and LeBron James. Young James. Nigga, I told you that shit's over, man. You gotta have a black woman, nigga. Black women are some of the most beautiful white bitches I've ever seen in my life. Don't you fucking... Don't 
don't just start. We're back, Simba. I already got the feelings out. We're finna have fun now. This is fun now. Yeah, don't tell me I need a black bitch. Nigga, the, today's black women are some of the most beautiful white bitches I have ever seen on planet Earth. Okay. <laughs> Let's keep it a bean. Act like these women got afros and got some kind of afrocentricity. These are just dark-skinned white bitches. That's all that a black woman is today. Not ever was. I'm talking about today. I'm talking about when I turn on my TV today. I'm talking about when I look at black women today. All I see is a beautiful white woman that can get tanned and not get red. That's it. Fuck you talking about? So fuck it. Why would I want the knockoff version? If you're going to give me a black woman, give me a black woman. If you're going to give me a white woman, I want the original white woman. That's what you don't understand about a real live motherfucker like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Real live people out here. We want the original. If I want a black woman, I want a black woman. I don't want no traces of white nowhere. Because when I have a white woman, ain't no traces of black. Yeah, my beautiful wife, She never. I never have to see her in an afro with red, black, and green beads on with Angela Davis. and No. I'm fucking white. Fuck you talking about? This is what I look. This is me. But this is how my hair goes naturally. You know what I'm saying? This is, I don't, you know, it gets a little frizzy sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes in the summertime, she get out the water, get a little frizzy. But for the most part, that's her hair. You know what I'm saying? I want the original. If I get an Asian girl, I don't want an Asian girl with braids. I don't. I don't want an Asian girl with braids. I don't. If I get an Asian girl, I want her to fucking bow with chopsticks and make fucking orange chicken. That's what I want. Okay, so Brown is just getting the original thing. Fuck you talking about. Every time you look at a black woman, all it is is white. They just trying to be white, trying to be Kim Kardashian. Megan Thee Stallion wants to be. What's that one girl's name? What's there? What's her name? The white girl from the group, the one group. I'm forgot. I'm drawing a blank. But anyway, you guys know they all just want to be Kim Kardashian. Stop it. Fuck out of here. Leave Bronny. Leave Scrawny Bronny alone. <laughs> leave Scrawny Bronny alone. <laughs> that's a new. That's my new nickname for Bron, LeBron James's son. Son. Leave Scrawny Bronny alone. Okay. Can we leave Scrawny Bronny alone? Ah, uh, fucking what? Else? Oh, the fucking Buffalo Shooter. God damn, yo. Ah, uh, see these. This is the time when when that Buffalo guy did the shooting. Like I said, we finna get in our mode now. When that fucking Buffalo guy did the shooting. Oh man, he's so lucky. That I'm an old guy. But it makes me ask a bigger question. So this fucking, this white motherfucking devil worshiping motherfucker, this white motherfucking racist cocksucking fuck, this motherfucker had been killing cats. This motherfucker been doing all kinds of shit. Then he goes into a Buffalo supermarket and just starts killing black people mercilessly, mercilessly, like a fucking video game. He even ran up on a white guy and was like, ooh, my bad, I almost shot you. Like, you playing with niggas? You see the one white guy who just killed a bunch of niggas with a bow and arrow? Did you hear about the other white guy who went and... You white motherfucking racist people think that my people is pussy, huh? You really think that we're pussy, huh? See, back in my days, in my days, what we would be doing, because we would be gang gang. That's what we when it, When I was 18, 19, let me tell you what I do because statue limitations, I can tell you. I'm old now. I, I won't do it now. Now I just I just drink on my, drink my little beer on the on the porch i'm an old guy but when i was young ooh, and i can't and i and i was responsible and affiliated with gang shit listen anytime somebody fuck with black people that same race was going to get terrorized that's just how we roll so let me tell you what i would do this isn't what's going on in the bronx this ain't i'm sorry not the bronx this ain't what's going on in buffalo what's going on in buffalo is freddie gibbs and fucking um benny the butcher got in a fight in buffalo 
So while this white dude is killing niggas at a supermarket, Benny the Butcher and fucking Freddie Fast Finger Gibbs, Freddie Gibbs, are showing that niggas are still fucked up. We can't even get together and just go fuck up some racist white people. That's what we would do. If me and my West Bank compadres, we're all OGs now, we're older now, we, we just want to have peace. But back in the day, if this would have happened, if the same situation would have happened back in the days, you want to know what we would have did? We would have gripped up, we would have got all our weapons, we would have got a, a hot vehicle, and we would have drove out to some racist area and tried to get in a fight and hopefully a shooting match with some racist white guy that said nigger. That's just what we would do. That's just immediately what we would do. Anybody fuck with our fucking people, you think we're sheeps, the wolves come out. And we used to love to do that shit. Anytime we would just go, please let a white motherfucker do some racist shit. We're going, and we're not just fucking with white people. That's not what we did because we grew up with white people. We got Kerry First over there. We got Andre over there. We got Nathan over there. We got Austin McGregor over there. No, we're not just going to go fuck with white people. That's not what it's about. We want that racist energy. We want that good, that racist one that calls us a nigger. We want that guy. So, yeah, we, see, we were very calculated with our shit. We didn't just go beat up white people. No, we're going to go out. We're going to go get on the bus. We're going to go way out to Waterworks. Everybody, we're going out to Waterworks in Lionel Lakes. Let's go to the model, and then we're going to go just go out there 10 deep and just, I, we're just looking at all white dudes and just waiting for some of us to say, what the fuck are you looking at, nigger? Oh, great, great. Now we're going to fucking try to kill you and everybody else in here. And that's what needs to happen. I'm sorry. I'm saying that on my podcast. I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't advocate violence. I advocate eye for an eye. I do not advocate violence on my podcast. No, I want everybody to be peaceful. But if you fuck with me, I believe I have the right to fuck with you. Goes back to the whooping thing. How can you whoop me, dad, if I can't hit you back? That, that's not a good lesson. Eye for a fucking eye. I believe that the gang gang elements of America, the bloods, the crips, the gang gang niggas, the demons, the steppers. Shouts out to Kendrick Lamar. Great album. But the steppers, the real steppers. <laughs> Kendrick, not a goddamn stepper. That nigga might be a tap dance. That nigga ain't no stepper. But a stepper, Kodak Black. Kodak Black is a fucking stepper. Young Thug. You know, nigga Young Thug's about to get hit with 50 bodies. That nigga did 50 murders. Nigga, 50 murders? I told you this nigga's like Aaron Hernandez. Niggas keep trying to say, oh, he, he's, stop saying that, whoever's defending him. Can everybody who's trying to defend Young Thug stop saying, man, he's too famous to do this. Did you guys ever hear Aaron Hernandez? Did you guys ever hear about a football player who wore the number 81? Did he wear 80? 88? 88. Little Mexican fella. Big Mexican fella. His name was Aaron Hernandez, and he committed murders, multiple murders, while going to NFL games. Some people just have a homicidal tendency. Nigga, Young Thug had it. Nigga, 50 bodies. But anyway, let's get back. Where, 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 where are we at? I'm sorry. I fucking lost. Okay, anyway. Back in the day. Yeah. Bloods, Crips, GDs, nigga. There's a lot of places where Nazis and KKK still are to this day. You, there's communities that are racist communities. Let's go find them. Let's go get it on with them. That's what I'm, that's all I'm saying. Let's go find the racist energy. Hey man, you know them KKK motherfuckers. You know where the racist people are. You know where if you go out there, you're going to get into some shit with some white folks on some racist shit. Go do it. Stop killing each other. 14-year-old girl, 11-year-old girl shot in the Bronx by some nigga on a fucking scooter because he can't aim. That's why I said I'm, I go to the range so much. You got to go to the range for these young demons. Going to the range ain't going to help you when you fight the white dudes. 
When you fight the white dudes, the rural white dudes and the police officers, I mean, it'll help you. Going to the range helps you regardless. But God, you can pick a nigga. These little niggas that are coming, these little demon stepper niggas, you can shoot these niggas so easy. They don't know how to hold the guns. They don't know how to stand when they're shooting. All you have to do is fire back at them. That'll fuck their whole plan up. They hop out thinking that they got a victim. You start busting back at one of these fucking demon niggas and you'll see they're cowards. And that's why they don't want to get it on with the niggas like the nigga that shot the fucking supermarket up. They don't want to get it on like that. But again, hey, Mr. Fucking Supermarket Coward Motherfucker, why didn't you go a little bit farther where Benny and the where Benny the Butcher and them? That's what I want to know. Why would you go to the supermarket where the black people are going to be helpless? That's because these racist motherfuckers are cowards too. We can't get behind it. Let's be honest. They don't ever go to the hood. They never do. They, they never go to the hood. Let's be honest. Every time a fucking crazy motherfucker wants to kill black people, he goes to a church. Is that what Dylan Ruth did? You go to a church. You bitch. You pussy. You know ain't nobody going to do nothing to you at church. They let him in and prayed with them and shit. Then this motherfucker goes and kills him. Dylan Ruth. Fucking coward. This motherfucker goes and shoots up a fucking supermarket. Niggas trying to get biscuits and fucking lamb. You know, ain't nobody in here on no shooting shit. Hey, I got an idea. This is just a off the wall shit. Hey, to the next shooter, because there's going to be a, another one. Not because of me, but because they're promoting this motherfucker on the news. They're reading his manifesto. They're telling his life. They're just breeding for another fucking copycat killer. Because what I think should happen when you do something horrendous like this, we should fucking kill you in a room and nobody should even know. When you do something horrendous and you kill and take innocent people's lives, you should take that person in a room, kill him, and don't even tell nobody you killed him. Tell him that he's in jail. Yeah, he's going to jail, but really you're dead. You know what I'm saying? Damn, what happened to him? Yeah, you know they killed that motherfucker. That even, damn, that's what I, yeah, we don't even talk about it, nigga. Nobody gives a fuck about your story. Nobody cares that your mom didn't, wasn't there. Nobody cares that you got picked on. Nobody cares. Your story is erased, buddy, once you do some shit like that. That's what I think. But anyway, back to this moral of the story. Hey, next copycat guy because you know you're gonna do it why don't you go to the hood yeah yeah go to the south side of chicago and do it try it there just just try it don't put the black mask on go with your nazi shit go with your military shit your white shit and go fucking on the south side and fuck with the folks go to the jungle go to the bounty hunters neighborhood go fuck with the bloods go fuck with some niggas that might get active i just want to see what they do i'm not saying like they won't i just want to see the reaction if you chase these niggas out of the street, we got a problem. <laughs> yeah, man. One little skinny white boy, Dylan Roof, coming O Block and chase O Block all the way to fucking the North Shore. Nigga, I'll be fucking mad to the motherfucking nigga. One white boy with a gun, because that's how it is. One white boy with a gun, I have 30 niggas running. I don't know what it is. Niggas will not turn around and just start clapping back at this white boy. We will not. I don't know. That fucking. Shit's embedded in our psyche. Ah, uh, what else is going on in the world, though, man? God, good Lord, man. Yeah, that Buffalo shooting fuck tripped me out, man. Like, God damn, what is the world coming to? Niggas can't even go to the supermarket anymore? What the fuck is going on, man? Oh, Elon Musk. God damn, Elon Musk. What happened with Elon Musk? Elon Musk, okay, so he on a SpaceX ride, Elon Musk showed his dick, or allegedly showed his dick, to a massage lady that was on board look bitch let me tell you a story okay let me just tell you a little small story bitch if you're on a plane and it's called spacex and elon musk is on it bitch you're there to rub some dick okay i just 
What the fuck, bitch? What the fuck do you think you... What the fuck are you guys talking about? Do you know... I'm not gay. But if I was on a plane with Elon Musk and he had to get his dick rubbed and I don't know. Listen, man. I don't know. Come on, man. He gave the bitch $250,000 just because... God damn. Bitch. When are we going to respect the fucking the game? You're on SpaceX. Just fucking give him a handy and let let the fucking guy create a fucking rocket. He has a lot of shit on his mind. Fuck. Why couldn't the bitch just give Elon a handy? She just all she had to do was give him a handy. Come here. Give me give me your little crooked ass alien dick, Elon. God, it's not like this nigga have some big ass dick that you got to really work in. My arm is tired, Elon. Your dick is so big. He got a little bitty little probably little little alien dick. Just fucking give him a happy ending and let's fucking get the fucking cure for AIDS. Shit. <laughs> Bitch, we got aliens coming. Don't you know that? Motherfuckers, you guys know what's going to happen. If we lock up Elon Musk, we're fucked. We got aliens coming to this planet. We need a nigga that knows how to make rockets and lasers and flamethrowers and shit. We need a nigga like that on deck. We can't have him in prison because this bitch on the plane didn't give out the handy. Fuck. We're losing, we're losing our best people. Um, I'm having fun guys I mean, I'm in podcast mode now I got the serious shit out there I'm having fun Charles Barkley says He'll fuck somebody's wife You guys see that oh. Keep on playing with me And I fuck your mama <laughs> Keep on playing And I fuck your mama Charles Barkley You can't fuck shit You old motherfucker You beat and throw your You beat and throw your hip out Trying to fuck somebody's Fucking mama Stop lying nigga You ain't fucking nobody's mama But it was funny if, <laughs> It was funny when he said it Didn't it <laughs> You didn't expect that shit, did you? Did you expect Charles to say that? Oh, you keep playing with me, I'm fuck your mama. <laughs> Shut up, Jack. Oh, what else is happening in the fucking world, man? Wow, wow, wow. What is going on? What is going on? The Black Lives Matter people are still being sued for these fucking mansions. These motherfuckers got mansions. By the way, anybody out there that would like to send me an apology, you can DM me. You can send me a letter with some money. All my family and friends out there that got mad because I said when Black Lives Matter originally started, not originally started because I was with them at at the beginning. But once I seen how quiet they were on black on black murder and then they came out, made a public statement saying we do not deal in black on black murder. Oh, farce. Bollocks. Bollocks. Yeah. But now the bitch got mansions and shit. They're investing in transgender research (laughs) They didn't tell all the niggas that didn't died, all the niggas that didn't died, the mamas that didn't cried, being crump, all of this civil rights, George Floyd, all of that money is getting poured into research and development for transgender and transgender rights and transgender this and transgender that. Boy, I tell you, nothing's wrong with that. All power to the transgender. I just wish they would have used their own transgender movements. That's all. I don't know how the death of black people how that money can get swung to transgenders. I don't understand that. I'm lost. Young thugs gonna get no young thugs not getting out. Somebody in my chat room just said that. Young thugs, free young thug, young thugs not getting out. Free little Meech. That's why I say free. Free little Meech. He didn't hurt nobody. He just fucking stole a fucking Mitch, Richard Milley. Okay? He didn't hurt anybody. Free little Meech. I am all with freeing niggas in the when I say free the guys, I want everybody free from penitentiaries if you're not if you're a non-violent offender if you're a murderer and you kill people i want you locked in jail i want you to stay there forever it's just you know i'm not <laughs> i don't play those kind of games the free to god no nigga, i don't want young thug free young thug has 50 bodies 
I kept telling you guys, you don't understand the correlation. How is it in the wire that Omar was able to be gay and walk around the projects and nobody fucked with him? So you guys got to ask the kind of questions that Simba Ali asked on the North Star podcast. I don't play around. Answer that question. I'm going to take a sip of my old fashioned that was made by my lovely wife. Why was Omar in the wire able to walk around and, and be gay and nobody fucked with him? Answer it. I'll wait. Doom, 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 doom. Ah, why? You want to know why? Dun, 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 dun. Because Omar will kill you. And in our culture, again, the black community, the black hood, our culture, what's left over. Remember, there really is no black culture because Omar wouldn't be allowed to be. And come on, man. The fact that Omar exists shows ain't no black culture no more. <laughs> Ain't no black culture no more. Omar wouldn't be able to exist. But the fact that he does lets us know why. Why can Omar walk around Baltimore such a dangerous, fucking poverty-ridden, dangerous community? Why can he walk around as one of the most dangerous people if he's openly gay? Nobody walked up and said, hey, Omar, you fucking maggot. No. Well, somebody did once say that, and this is what happened to him. Because Omar kills people. So when you look at Young Thug, you say, Young Thug, how is it that you were able to come into hip hop talking about smoking penises, wearing lipstick, wearing a dress, really kind of tap dancing on that homosexual line? How are you able to do that and then be respected? Not by the rappers. We know rappers are soft. Every rapper is soft. But I'm talking about by the people, the real tough guys in the industry. You people like whack 100. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You see people like whack 100 and big you and you see the real OGs niggas bowing down to young thug and nipsey you see the real people like fucking with the, how are you able to do this young thug because because uh, he kills niggas it's the only why would you not understand that just look at how does omar do it omar is able to do it because he kills niggas and niggas know if you piss him off and try to say some maggot shit to him he's gonna kill you same thing with thugger nigga 50 bodies nigga ysl wipe your nose nigga slack 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 Wipe your nose. Schlack. You guys don't understand that shit when that shit comes in rhymes, huh? Pleasure P talking about push. I keep calling him Pleasure P, by the way. Somebody said that in my chat line. They were like, stop calling uh, Gunna Pusher P. <laughs> Pleasure P. <laughs> That's what the nigga said. I'm pushing P. But uh, yeah, young Gunner, this nigga is. F- Damn, man. These niggas finna go down, bro. I'm telling. Oh, somebody said, well, young thug is going to be free. They moved him from his inhumane self. First of all, Young Thug, that cell looks pretty nice. I'm going to keep it a bean with you. When I got locked up, we were in a cell like that, but it was like seven niggas in there. Seven niggas in that cell that young. And I had to sit and fucking fight for just for an edge. Like, nigga, you're fine. Nigga, you're in jail, my nigga. You're not a rapper anymore. Ain't that a bitch how pretty niggas think, nigga? Inhumane. Nigga, you're on trial for 50 murders, nigga. What do you, what do you want, a waterbed in the mind? <laughs> These are inhumane conditions. Not for criminals, it's not. Not for criminals who are serial killers. Tell me, okay, I'm going to tell you, um, we're going to take Young Thug out of it. I'm going to say, we need, a, we need a place to hold a serial killing murderer who has 50 bodies, 50 murders connected to his name. Would that room look inhumane then? Oh, no, because Young Thug has a song with fucking Katy Perry. We think, nah, that shit goes out the window. When you become a criminal, you're a number, nigga. You guys know the game. God, 
Young Thug talks so cool on million dollars worth of game with Gillian Wallow. Now the nigga gets locked up and he starts acting like, wait, my nigga, you're just a number now, nigga. You know what's happening, nigga. You know all them niggas in that indictment. How many niggas got pulled into the YSL indictment? Almost 28 niggas. How many niggas got pulled in to the Young Thug indictment? 32 niggas got pulled into the Young Thug indictment? Nigga, half of them niggas is telling already. Half of them niggas is telling. And it's a wrap. Young Thug's gone. He got seven new charges. That nigga's done, nigga. That Rico shit, that's federal, my nigga. That shit is federal. So what they're going to do to Young Thug is they're going to make him exhaust all of his funds on the state case. Um, and then the feds will step in. And when Young Thug is basically down to his last $100,000, the feds will step in and say, we're going to start this whole fucking shit all over again with this new. And then now, Nick, Young Thug, you ain't got enough money. You just spent $20 million fighting this case. We got another case that's a federal case. You got another 20 million? Not to mention 12 niggas is snitching on you and we got you on a wiretap and you know we got your closest homeboys. The nigga you roll up with, smoke, fuck bitches with. He's one of the ones telling, man, please. Young Thug going down, man. Unless he starts telling. Unless he does it to Takashi. That's why I think he's going to rap. I think Young Thug is going to tell. Just like Takashi 69 Takashi gave the blueprint. Nigga. I can tell it ain't nothing going to happen. All he got to do is have his hitters around him, nigga. We'll kill anybody. We already did it. We showed it. If you're a killer, you can do whatever you want. Ain't nobody going to run up and say nothing. If Young Thug right now was to snitch and got out of jail in two years, nobody's going to run up on him and say, hey, man, you're a snitch, or else they would have did it to Takashi. Trust me. Young Thug is way more dangerous in real life than Takashi 69 Young Thug in real life is way more dangerous than Takashi 69 and nobody fucking even tried him for the snitching. You think they're going to fuck with a real hitter? A real stepper? Nigga, leave Young Thug alone before he been and shot your ass. And Thug knows that. He knows that, nigga. So this is going to get real interesting. This whole YSL shit is going to get interesting. God bless that sister. I hear she's been on a tear. I hear for like the she didn't put a bunch of rappers in jail. You go, girl. She's been connecting the dots. God damn. Fulton County is just a breeding ground. There's a lot of Fulton counties. There's a lot of Fulton counties all across America. Black communities being terrorized by steppers and demons and rappers. All this shit goes back to rat beef. Niggas is dying. Mothers is crying and bullets is flying. Because of fucking rat beef? Man, if y'all don't get y'all ass back in the studio. <laughs> uh, um, I think I'm going I'm to make that a uh, episode today. Like I said, I've been, I got a, I've, I've had a busy, 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 busy week, so. Now I'm about to go recharge the battery, sit down. I'm going to enjoy this nice old fashioned. Finish watching these playoffs. See if Golden State uh, just came back from being down fucking 13 points in the first half. So they just came back and cut it 23-26. Um, so I'm going to finish watching the playoffs. Like I said, I got a few new guests that are going to come on the show. Uh, we got Troy Bell that's going to stop by the show. We're going to shout out to Troy. Um, I got a few guests. It's going to be very, very fun. Stick around for the... Like I said, every month, every month I got a new guest. So just stick around, enjoy the content, get those closed phone cases are out. Savoir Fair phone cases, Savoir Fair new uh, shorts, the red, um, the green, the blue. Um, like I said, just stay tuned, stay tapped in. This is Simbali. This is the North Star Podcast. Thank everybody out there for rocking with me. Don't forget common sense is the best form of currency because that, my friend, can be used anywhere. We are out. <laughs>